All right, well, welcome back. Uh, we began our study in the book of Titus by establishing a few core truths last week. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and find your place, the book of Titus. And uh, those truths we looked at last week, just to review, I think these will serve us well over the rest of this journey. Those truths were this. Following Jesus is not just transactional, it's transformational. So it's not just about that moment of asking forgiveness from God and and salvation. It's not just about that moment. It's actually about all the moments after that where he's changing us and transforming us. So through Jesus, we're brought into relationship with God. And it's by his grace, he saves all kinds of sinners and begins shaping us into the image of Jesus. So it's a transformational uh, endeavor. Following Jesus is a team sport we talked about. So it's not individualistic. The changing work of grace often comes to us through others, especially the church, the people, the brothers and sisters right around you. So there's a togetherness to this journey, uh, and we should embrace the people that God has put in our lives to shape us. The third truth we talked about last week was following Jesus includes all of life. So there's nothing off the table. Every nook and cranny of your life is meant to be transformed by the gospel. Jesus doesn't just want in on the spiritual stuff. He wants all of it. And um, so there's nothing, nothing off limits, including your dating life, your parenting, your marriage, your, your working on the job. All of life is intended to be changed by the gospel. So uh, let's look together at the book of Titus. It's in the New Testament near the end of the book, right after 1st, 2nd Timothy. Uh, I think Philemon and then Hebrews. So if, if you had not found it yet, it's only one page in my Bible. Um, a little bit of background. Paul wrote this letter to Titus to encourage him to be the strong leader that Paul knew he could be among the young churches in the island of Crete. Um, this letter would be re- widely read by those churches and uh, it would serve as Paul's endorsement for Titus's leadership. It gives some specific instructions for the health and purity of the church. We talked about last week how the health and purity of the church is significant. It's key in the success of the mission of the gospel, right? So Paul is publicly passing the baton of leadership to Titus, affirming him as the, with the authority that he needs to lead. These churches needed to build strong foundations on truth, to establish leadership structure, all those things that would make them effective in making disciples. So uh, I want us to read the first five verses together. So just the introduction. We'll still cover a good bit of the rest of the book today, but just the five first five verses. Would you stand with me? And then you can sit for uh, a few minutes anyway. <laughs> no laughing, right? No laughing. First five verses of the book of Titus. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town 
as I directed you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Even a short letter like this is so rich. And we need to hear what you have to say. You love us. You want us to be changed by what we see and hear in your word today. So together and individually, we yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. So last week I told you guys that I have picked up a personal trainer. And uh, at, the, at the gym, he's a friend, but he's, uh, he's not acting like my friend lately. <laughs> He, um, he has been uh, pushing me beyond my personal boundaries, and he's really targeting and focusing on some weaknesses in, in me. And um, so I have um, been in pain most every day the last few weeks. I'm hurting right now, actually. Um, but I want you to know something. I am thankful. Do you want to know why? Because I really want to be changed. I really want to see a change, see transformation in my life. And so I'm trusting him. I am uh, yielding myself to him. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm resolved to do it. Unless you've given over the control of your life to Jesus, you will only embrace the change you already wanted. You'll only embrace the kinds of change you would have done without him. King Jesus may have some other things in mind. And his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is constantly at work to shape us, to chisel away at some of our crusty edges. (laughs) But he holds the chisel, right? He holds the chisel. And he knows best what to change and how and when to do it. So I want to ask you today, what do you really want? Do you really want to be transformed by Christ, by the gospel? Are you ready to see some real change in your life? The kind of change that you can't lead. Well, that only happens if you surrender control and submit to the ultimate authority of Jesus. So before we begin to really dig into some of the depths of the short letter, it it dawned on me that we actually need to cover uh, some heart work. And I was telling Jeff earlier, this has been a very challenging sermon for me to prepare because the Lord's been doing some work on me like all week. And uh, it hasn't been incredibly pleasant, to be honest. So before I preach this, know that I've heard it like a lot all week. I want to tell us what a key ingredient to real gospel transformation is. Are you ready? Here's a key ingredient. Submission to authority. Submission to authority. With that in mind, I'm calling this message, Who's the Boss? I don't know if that (laughs) strikes an image with any of you 80s kids or whatever, but uh, I got Tony Danza in my head and this whole... Who's the boss thing? I don't know if that strikes a memory with any of you, but okay, well, moving on. All right, so um, the picture of submission to authority is all over this letter. It's actually built in 
all over this letter. By, by my count, in 46 verses, the Apostle Paul either overtly or implies submission to authority over 40 times. 40 times in 46 verses. Do you think it's important? It's important. I want to point out a few of them. How about just in the first five verses that we read? Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God. Do you see that he acknowledges authority and his rightful position of submission? Chapter 1, verse 1. An apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle generally means sent one. So Paul's saying that Jesus has sent him on a mission. Well, to accept and obey orders is submitting, is what a submitted person does. He's been sent by Jesus. He's under the authority of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said, the preaching with which I have been entrusted. The word entrusted means Paul is a steward of a message. He's not the owner. He's only a carrier. And he will be held responsible for how he's managed the message of the gospel. So obviously the steward is under the authority of the owner. There's authority and there's submission. Again in verse 3, Paul said, by the command of God our Savior. Well, here he's explicit, right? Jesus has commanded Paul. So we have an expression of authority and now submission to it. To command is to assume authority. And for someone to respond in obedience to a command means that he has accepted and submitted to that authority. Verse four, Paul says, Titus is my true child in a common faith. So Paul here is calling a grown man a true child. Any any men like that expression? (laughs) Probably not. Well, maybe on the surface, here's what it means. Paul had a, an intricate part in Titus coming to faith in Jesus, right? That's probably what he means. But also, he means that he is going to assume the place of headship and leadership. He's going to give Timothy in, or Titus instruction like a father would a son, a true child in a common faith. Look at verse 5. Paul tells Titus, I left you in Crete. I wonder how that conversation might have gone. Like, Paul must have told him, hey, I need you to stay here. So you're staying. Well, you know, to to um, reject that authority, Titus might have said, no, bro, I'm going home. Right. But he didn't. He stayed. So just the fact that Paul left him in Crete shows us there was some authority and some submission. Also in verse five, Paul says to Titus, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Another overt Very clear expression of authority. Paul gives orders and Titus submits to his authority. This is just the introduction to this letter, right? We've just been in five verses there. We've got seven examples. So submission to authority is the footing. It's the foundation that so much of this letter stands on. Without it, nothing that Paul is telling Titus to do will be accomplished. Now, listen, we're going to dig in in the next few weeks to how men, how well you do in husbanding and fathering, according to what Titus says. Ladies, we're going to dig into how how this Titus two picture of older women mentoring younger women to do all kinds of things, love husbands, raise children, all the stuff that's in this book. But before we get there, we have to start at a different starting point. Do you actually want to be changed? Do you want it enough to submit to authority, to the teaching of Scripture? 
Are you postured to say, whatever you say, Lord, my yes is on the table. Because if you're not, then this is a worthless effort. But it is worth our time to evaluate our own submission. If we want to see God work the change that he's calling for in this letter. If we want to see him do this, then we need to see some change in the stubborn soil of our hearts. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Okay. Well, before we move on, I want to show you just a few more that are in the rest of the book that will enlighten some of our study today. Chapter 1, verse 10. It says that those who oppose the true gospel, look at the first description of them. What is it? They are insubordinate. Meaning, they reject authority. This is the first marker that Paul names for these enemies of the gospel. They're insubordinate. It's a remarkable first description. Chapter 2, verse 4. Younger women are being taught by older women. That's the model that Titus has been given. And then the quote here, to be submissive to their own husbands. This is an explicit call to acknowledge an authority that God has established and respond in submission. There's another one just like it in chapter 2, verse 9. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. Chapter 2, verse 15, Paul tells Titus, Titus, Declare these things. Listen to what he says to him. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. In other words, Paul's telling Titus, I need you to take control. Step it up. Take some leadership. Speak God's truth with such boldness until no one objects what you're saying. Last one. Chapter three, verse one. Very explicit again. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient. Another call, very explicit call for submission to authority. And there are, like I said, 40 plus embedded references to submission to authority. Here's what we need to know. And it's not that I'm telling you something you don't know. (laughs) The human heart has a sinful bent Towards self-rule. Do you agree? By way of confession, would you say that's true of you? That was a little quieter. (laughs) I would. Um, We prefer. I'll speak on your behalf for a moment. On the behalf of humanity, actually. We prefer independence and autonomy. Instead of dependence On our authority. It's our preference. Our heart naturally, sinfully, naturally bends toward independence and autonomy rather than what God calls us to, which is dependence on his supreme authority. So in way of personal confession, I've I've always, always, as far as I can remember, resented rules that I didn't understand. Rules that didn't make sense to me. I've always Resented and then many times rejected things like that that didn't make sense to me. I was the annoying 10-year-old boy that was constantly asking why to my parents. They'd tell me to do something and I'd say, why? And um, that didn't go so well. Um, 
My, my dad used to say, boy, don't ask me why. Just do what I said. And um, man, I thought that was terrible parenting at the time. I'm, I'll be honest. Like, I remember thinking to myself, I will never say that to my children. And so today I would like to publicly apologize to my parents who are in the room. Um, the Lord has a way of, uh, of bringing things full circle, doesn't he? And um, now I have five children who are equally as curious and stubborn as I was. And um, But I now see that learning to obey. Listen, this is important. Learning to obey, to submit to authority, even without understanding and agreeing, is building your character. And I'm telling you, as a 40-year-old man, this is still a struggle for me. I still don't understand some speed limits. I still don't understand. And I could go through a list of things where I, where I find myself going, this makes no sense. Why? Why would we do this? And there's this thing that stirs up in me because I, I want to be independent and self-ruled. And yet God is saying, nope, I'm calling you to be dependent and trust that the authorities I've put in place are over you for your good. Even if you don't like it and don't agree. This is to change your heart. Now listen, sometimes the authorities in life are not good and the decisions they make are not good. But the Bible is clear. God is still interested in changing your character using evil rulers sometimes. So submission to authority opens doors, tills the soil of your heart in ways that stubborn autonomy never will. And yes, if you're wondering... I have told my children, don't ask me why, just do what I say. <laughs> I have said that, yes, probably this morning. All right, so Titus teaches us at least three big truths about this idea. And I want to dig into those quickly. Number one, submission to authority is at the heart of Christianity. Submission to authority is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. There is no such thing as a Christian not submitted to authority. The essence of salvation is to see Jesus Christ as king and to surrender your whole life to him. This is what it means to be a Christian. Now, Paul introduces this letter identifying himself. And we would say Paul as a Christian, right? But he says this. This is how he identifies himself. He is a servant of God. That's the first word he starts with. It's the word doulos, which is translated slave or servant. And later in the book, it'll be translated bondservant. But here, servant of God. It's this posture of I will do whatever he says. I am yielded to this king. Paul then says he's an apostle of Jesus, which means he's sent by Christ. So now Paul, as a Christian, says he's told me something to do and I'm sent by him. I'm on mission. 
I have a job. I've got something he's called me to do. Thirdly, Paul says, I've been entrusted with preaching. Entrusted. He's a steward of the gospel. So Paul says he's a servant. He's sent. He's a steward of the gospel. These are, listen, these are titles and realities that are not exclusive to Paul. This is every Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've become a servant of a new king. You've been sent by Christ on a mission. And you are a steward of the gospel. This is why we say as Christians that we are followers of Jesus. We use that expression, that terminology, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. And what we mean by that is he's the leader. And in my life, I'm striving to follow at his lead in total submission to his authority. He's the master. We are the students. He's the teacher. We're learners. When we talk about Christ as Savior, we must simultaneously talk of him as Lord. There is no separation. You cannot believe in the Savior on the cross without submitting to the resurrected king on the throne. Jesus himself said it this way. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, Luke 9, 23. So to be his disciple means to daily deny your own will. Again, that's rejecting autonomy, embracing authority. To d- daily deny your own will and submit to his lead. Last week we said to be in training means someone else is in charge. Well, to be under the training of Jesus means that he is in charge. The Holy Spirit is guiding you every day. Are you listening? Are you yielded? Are you submitted? Over these next 21 days, church, let's be the kind of people that roll out of bed onto our knees and say, Lord, I want to submit to you today. Yesterday was great. You you led me. I followed most of the time. Today, I want to do better. I want to submit and yield to you today. I think it'd be helpful for us at this point just to establish a definition for submission. Um, Webster says it this way. Submission is yielding control to a more powerful authority. It's pretty good. Um, Oxford Dictionary says the act of accepting or yielding to the will of authority or authority of another. I think biblically, as we look at the the use of this word. um, Ultimately, we would say this. To submit is to willingly yield to the authority of Christ. And that has a lot of um, implications. So first, submission to authority is at the heart of Christianity. Second, submission to authority is key to the health of the church. We started uh, this discussion this morning with 40 references. We just did a few of them to submission to authority in a letter that's designed to build healthy churches. Let's not lose sight of that. Paul's writing to Titus. He's leaving him in Crete so that he will put in order the things that remain that were kind of a mess. We saw the gospel uh, be fruitful. People were saved. But now the church needs some structure. We need leadership. We need um, godly living. And how do we do that? There must be Submission to authority. 
three quick things that this helps tackle. Submission to authority in terms of health of the body. It preserves what we believe. What we believe. Titus is left in Crete to appoint elders in every town. The primary role of elders is to be like guardrails on the doctrine. To protect what what does this church believe? Leadership structure in every local church is so important to the health and purity of these churches. These elders had to have a backbone. If you remember from our reading last week, they would have to stand up against false teachers. They'd have to silence them and rebuke them. This is these take this takes some guts, right? Some fortitude. They'd also have to stand for truth. And sometimes truth's not popular. I don't know if you know that. But sometimes to say the true things from the word of God. um, Well, many times these days, it's an unpopular thing. People don't like it. So in order to be an elder, you got to get over the need to please people. Stand for truth. So it's what we believe. Then secondly, how we live. Paul's telling Titus that the gospel um, transforms how we live. It, it, it works its way out in godly living as a fruit of gospel believing. People who believe the gospel should have lives that are marked by good works, right? Not, not evil. There should be a, a difference between a believer and an unbeliever in the, in the way they live. Also, for unity, one verse we haven't read yet, I don't think, is um, chapter 3, verse 10, 9 and 10. But specifically in verse 10, there's some pointed instruction here. It says, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinfully self-condemned. Jesus says that we would be known for how we love one another, right? But Paul knows that within the body, there are those whose only desire is to stir up trouble. And so he gives some specific instructions to Titus, telling him how to deal with that. There's nothing pleasant about that. These are strong moves of leadership. Do you see why Paul would be writing to Titus to endorse his leadership? Because these kinds of things are not going to be popular, at at least not at first. This is a long-sighted view of how to shepherd the church, establish leaders, teach them how to live, um, try to get rid of the people who are trouble. This is tough stuff. We're restructuring leadership in the church, in the home, in the community, dealing with troublemakers. Where does all this authority come from? And that's a great question, isn't it? Comes back to who's the boss? With any of these commands, the objection might be said, who says so? Right? Who says so? Um, My kids say that all the time. Like when I've said, hey, go tell your sister to do something. I hear them. Who says? Daddy says. Right? That one wins. So asking this question, who's the boss? Let there be no doubt. Christ. Christ is the boss. I want you to trace the legacy, the lineage, if you will, of authority. Here's how it goes. Um, these churches in Crete are, being, are, are getting leadership established. Like 
elders are being established. How were they established? Well, they were taught and appointed by Titus. What authority does Titus have? Well, Titus is being sent and endorsed by Paul. What authority does Paul have? Paul started the letter by telling us he's a slave of Christ. And so we trace it. He says, I have been given a message. I've been given the command from God, our Savior, to preach this message. And he's saying, I'm here with the authority of Jesus. So when they say, who says? Titus might say, Paul says. And Paul would say, huh, Jesus says. And that's where it traces all the way back to Christ, as it should be. He is the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls, right? He is the head of the church. There's no elder or pastor here that's in charge. He's in charge. Christ is king. And we submit ourselves to him. Before Jesus ever gave us our command, our great commission, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Therefore, right? Go, therefore. What is therefore, therefore? Well, the verse right before it. Jesus said what? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Our whole mission hinges on who's the boss. Christ is king. Thirdly. Submission to authority, according to Paul writing to Titus, it honors the message of the gospel. It honors the message of the gospel. I want you to see three explanations that are in this book. In chapter two, verse five, um, this explanation is given. Don't allow God's word to be reviled. Now, this is specifically embedded in how older women are training younger women to submit to their husbands. Isn't that wild? Like submission to a husband, if you reject and rebel against your husband, it reviles the word of God. How? Because God's word is explicit about the authority structure in the home. And so to reject what God has taught is to reject the word of God. And we'll dig more into this in the coming weeks. But for now, I just want you to focus on this explanation. He's saying submit to authority so that God's word may not be reviled. When we dismiss what God has clearly established in his word, when we reinterpret or disregard it or say, oh, that was just for that culture or whatever. In any particular place, we may as well throw out the whole book. Here's why we do not get to pick and choose which of God's commands are worth obeying. If that were the case, we assume ultimate authority and his commands are just for our consideration. And again, I ask us, who's the boss? Christ is the boss and his word is our authority. So don't allow God's word to be reviled in chapter two, verses nine through ten. Another explanation is adorn the doctrine of Christ. Adorn. We don't use that word very often, but this is in the context of bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. And again, in the coming weeks, we'll dig into that in detail. But the uh, I want us to focus deliberately on the explanation here. Submission to authority makes the teaching and example of Jesus look good. By your 
humility and submission, even in difficult settings, you prove that his way of life is better. I love the reading that Tucker did this morning because it says that we have we have Jesus as an example. And I love this expression in first Peter two twenty one through twenty three. It says, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he continued. Listen, entrusting himself to him who judges justly. This is this is a distinction between how Jesus lived and how we self um, self ruling, autonomous, independent people want to live. When we're under authority that is harsh, which is the context of that letter, we feel the need to revile in return or to um, buck authority, push back. And we're seeing here that the way of Jesus was an example for us to follow in his steps. This is really tough. Like, let's just be honest. This is hard. Not easy stuff. But Jesus modeled submission perfectly. And when we follow in his steps, we're telling the world, we're, prov- we're showing the world that his way is better. It adorns the doctrine, the teaching, the way of life of Christ. And lastly, the explanation is that we would be the proof Be the proof that the gospel has the power to transform. So check this out. In chapter 3, he starts by saying, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient for every good work. And then down in uh, in verse 3, it says, For, so this is how we're, this is the explanation. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. The explanation that Paul is telling Titus is this. Submit to authority because when you do, you show the world that the gospel has the power to transform your rebellious heart. It shows the world that Jesus can actually change us deep within. So I ask you again, what do you really want? Do you really want deep gospel transformation like heart level change? Because as we read this book, if this thing in here, like what drives you isn't transformed, then you're going to read a lot of little Commands and you're going to like muster the strength to obey. That's not what we do as gospel people. We ask Christ to change our hearts. And out of that change from in here, we have fruit that bears. Like then I submit because I've entrusted myself to a different judge. The only way we're going to see the change that we want to see is to yield, to submit our lives to the supreme authority of Christ And trust that those he's put over us serve to shape us. There's an old hymn that says it this way. Trust and obey. 
For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to what? Trust and obey. May we be people submitted to the authority of our King and those he's put over us for his glory, for our good.